what say we get this dumpster fire started? Hell yeah, man. Let's do it. Which is kind of what we do. It's true. In a lot of ways, we are hard hairy. Hairy hard on. Happy hairy hard on. From pump up the volume, which is what we're talking about. I feel like I have to clarify because I know that on the last actual episode of Dumpster Fire Cinema, we said that we were going to talk about Wes Anderson, but we're liars. Yeah. Wes Anderson is just such a big thing that I feel like we're going to need to have a little bit of time to get that thing right. It would probably need to be like a two-parter. Yeah, yeah. I, so, I think we might actually do a Wes Anderson series. Yeah. And just, you know, do it one movie at a time. Because, I mean, a guy like Wes Anderson, he, he deserves that. I agree. He's got too many good movies to just... I Gloss mean, over them. Think about, like, Life Aquatic. I could talk for hours about just Life yeah, Aquatic. Yeah, me too. That would require us actually watching the movies again. And that, yeah. that would be, like, several weeks of us just, like, every Monday night I come to your house and just watch... Yeah. Watch Wes Anderson movies. I feel like if we're going to do it, that's what we should do. So, yeah. so yeah, we'll, we'll do it, but it's not what's happening today. Today, no. we are reviewing Pump Up the Volume. Yes. This is uh, a Christian Slater joint. Uh-huh. Hot Christian Slater. Yeah, yeah. This movie came out in 1990, and uh, I, was, I was not even a year old, I don't think. So there you go with that. Yeah. <laughs> Like most movies that we've reviewed on this show, I remember exactly where I was the first time I saw it. I was in a little one-horse town in North Texas with my cousins who had a farm, and we watched it uh, at my cousin JJ's house, and I loved it. I fell in love with this movie, and I've seen it a shitload of times since then. When Aaron first talked about Pump Up the Volume, I was like, oh man, that sounds lame. And then I saw the cover and I was like, this looks way lame. But it turns out that by the middle of the movie, I was like, I love this movie. I already love it and it's not even to the end of it. Christian Slater was 21 during the filming of Pump Up the Volume and he looked great. He did. And he's aged pretty well. I mean, mean, compared to a lot of other actors that came out of like the late 80s, early 90s, he looks pretty good. And and the fact that he's not dead or addicted to drugs, which I I mean, I don't actually know that he might be, but (laughs) he's uh, still alive and not openly addicted to drugs. So I count that as a win. He looks better than Johnny Depp and Brad Pitt. Oh, my God. Well, okay, I think Johnny Depp has just been run through the ringer. Yeah. More so than Johnny Brad Depp Pitt. is very obviously on drugs right now. Oh, oh man, that makes me sad. That makes me sad. But yeah, he'll be all right. Yeah. So this also had Samantha Mathis. She's great. I love her. She was in American Psycho. She was in Little Women. She was in The Punisher. She's been in a lot of different things, and she was super hot in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Like kind of slightly emo chick. I feel like she's my spirit animal. Like. For this movie. Like, she was my spirit animal because I totally would have dressed like that. I mean, I yeah. still kind of dress like that. Yeah. So. No, she was totally 90s Jordan. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I don't really recognize any of the other people except Seth Green. We've got a tiny baby, baby Seth, Seth Green. Green. with long ass hair and a funky ass nose. Yep. And he was great in the movie. He was. Him he and was the great. fat kid were running around pulling pranks on the school administration. <laughs> that, that was their only role. 
They didn't. Uh, they didn't do anything else. No, nope. they'd never even had any interactions with any of our main cast. The only other person that I recognized in this movie was the teacher who played Miss Emerson, Ellen Green. She played Audrey in Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. She's also made appearances in Hannibal. She was in Pushing Daisies. Have you seen Pushing Daisies? Long time ago. Okay, she was one of the ants. She's been around for a while, but she. it took me a minute to recognize her because I was like, is that Ellen Green? Because she just looks normal. She's not all like skinny and like weird looking. So yeah, I didn't, re- like I said, I didn't recognize anybody else in this movie, which is not a huge deal. But what is a big deal is that our man, Alan Moyle, directed and wrote this movie. Yep. Alan Moyle is a Dumpster Fire Cinema alumnus already. Yeah. Because he directed Empire Records. That is correct. Yeah. It's weird, though, because I didn't really feel like it was the same as Empire Records because he didn't write it. Empire Records was written by Carol Heikiken. Oh, that's right. Heikiken. Yeah. And I totally agree with you. It doesn't feel anything like Empire Records at all. It's certainly got its own charm. Yes. It's also another movie with a fantastic soundtrack. It is a really just like great Empire soundtrack. Records. Yes. Yeah. Basically what this movie is about is Christian Slater, he plays a character named Mark. He and his family have moved to this little nowheresville town in Arizona away from all his friends and all of his personality. <laughs> yeah. He moved away from his personality. Pretty much. Um, and so what he does in his spare time is he basically has a pirate radio station. Yeah, his um, dad got him a shortwave radio kit mm-hmm. so that he could talk to his friends back home and none of them listened. So he turned it on the local citizenry of the town yep. and started going after the high school uh, administration yep. and just being a, uh, a rebel on the radio. Yeah, and he's disguised his voice so nobody knows what he sounds like. They only know him as um, Happy, Happy Harry, Harry Hard On. on. <laughs> I just want to say for the record, the word hard on is disgusting. <laughs> I I hate that word so much. Why? It's just gross. Hard on? <laughs> it's like, like moist. Or, That's not even remotely the same. Moist is I like a it, thousand times worse. To me, it's just as bad. Hard on? Ugh. Fuck, that's gross. Well, and basically, he kind of just spends the majority of his time on the radio basically just talking about how horny he is. And And pretending to masturbate. Which, this is the part that I don't really understand, is that guys and girls equally at this school are listening to him masturbate. And they're like, oh, he's a chronic masturbator. Ha, 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 ha. Like, I don't understand why people wouldn't be like, Oh, jeez. And like, turn it off. (laughs) I wouldn't have turned it off. Uh, Okay, granted, I will say maybe as a teenager, I would have stayed to listen. Because, you know, horny 16-year-old teenager, you're like, oh, my God, this guy. Oh, that's insane. Well, And he was funny. He had these long rants that he would go on about how shitty being a kid is and how shitty the town is. And I don't know if it was really the beginning, but it really started. Like, I feel like it was at a time where radio DJs were like gods of the music world. I just remember like me being in, in elementary school and junior high and listening to radio DJs on Sunday to and from church. Uh, very recognizable voices and they're funny and they have guests on their show and it was a huge deal. I mean, I know that radio hosts are 
I mean, they're still around, obviously. I mean, you've got people like Howard Stern and Kid Craddock and like pe- people that actually are listened to. But I know for me, Kid I don't Craddock's listen. Kid has been dead for years. <gasps> I forgot about that. I'm so sorry, <laughs> Kid Craddock. Please don't haunt me. <laughs> I'm the worst. <coughs> oh, Jesus. Kid Craddock just jumped out in my throat. No. Trying to kill me. With his heart on. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm spitting it out. Gotta spit that heart on out. There's always something appealing to me about being like a live radio host. Yeah. There was a show that was on like Noggin or whatever, that pre-teen Nickelodeon. Yeah. Anyway. And there was a show about these kids in high school who basically they, like four of them had this pirate radio station. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I wanted to do that for myself. Like I really wanted to be on the radio and be anonymous and people like, love you and oh my god this person i listen to them every single day and i mean maybe that's why i like doing podcasts so much it's not really the same because it's not live i don't even know what i would do with myself if it was like live all the time yeah i think i think uh i don't think i could do it i, I don't think, think i'd I get could... fired yeah oh i'd end up cussing at some point for sure yeah but, you know in, in some places that's okay in canada you can say fuck on the radio that's a recent thing they just they just made that legal huh interesting yeah that's very interesting yeah the other thing that i i noticed was that these are high school kids and obviously they're living in a nowhere town so they don't have a lot to do but they just would go out to a field and park to listen to the radio yeah and i'm sitting there going man what a time to be alive well (laughs) it was pretty boring back then we didn't have cell phones we didn't have uh, your ipads there wasn't no facebook's we didn't have any of that. We had to walk 20 miles in the snow to the park so we could listen to the radio. Was the internet a thing by that point? It was around, but it was really terrible. I I can Very only slow. imagine. Yeah. I can only imagine. So, yeah. And you kind of figure out that this guy, even though, I mean, he says whatever he wants and he doesn't really have any shame. At first, I was thinking that he was just kind of a douchebag, like just basically talking out of his ass and not really contributing anything except being a douchebag and then we find out that he actually cares about people sure a radio dj that cares well yeah he has people calling in and he's talking directly to the kids you know Mm -hmm. he's trying to make these kids feel a little bit better about being the downtrodden yeah and and he gets these letters from his fans quote-unquote fans that he reads over the radio and he calls them directly which is a very interesting kind of twist i think yeah the interesting thing about this is that he'll call these people anonymously but it just goes to show that you just never know what people are going through yeah at all yeah and he's very much about the issues that are going on at school and we kind of are seeing a little bit at the beginning of the movie you're not seeing it all together but you're kind of seeing a glimpse of just how fucked up this school system is yeah um basically they let they suspended a girl because her attitude was bad well, what they're doing is they're suspending kids that are f- fucking up their test scores. Yeah. Um, and this was honestly, to my knowledge, the first time we ever really explored this concept in a movie mm-hmm. about the politics of schools and funding. And there was some light shown on the situation in this movie, which which this this is a real thing. Yeah. This school was expelling kids that were getting bad test scores to make their scores look better yeah which is pretty fucking evil it is it is really really evil and we've got the one kid that's been expelled from school that keeps showing up in the movie his name is maz mazili and he's played by billy morissette 
you know, we find out later on that he just wants an education. You know, they railroaded him out of the school. Yeah, basically. Uh, but he's got a heart of gold. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, as gold as a as a punk kid as, can be. As gold be. as his hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just the other thing that I really like about this movie is how freaking awkward everyone is. Like that whole scene where Mark is trying to talk to that that popular girl, the like the blonde girl. Yeah. And he goes up to her and he's like, hey. And she's like, hey. And then he runs off and she gives him this look like he said, hey, I want to wear your skin. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's what it looked like. And I was like, geez, Louise, people. Like, all he said was hi. Yeah. <laughs> and then later on, you know, between him and, and Nora, with with him trying to talk to her and and the whole like five minute long breathing in their faces scene before they actually kiss like it's t- yeah it's just ridiculous i mean i guess i understand it that he's just this socially awkward kind of guy without a microphone in his hand but it's just like you're sitting there going just say something yeah like, it's almost too awkward well he is a very awkward kid he's always eating lunch in the stairwell doesn't talk to anybody, real soft-spoken. And I always wondered if he was more soft-spoken than he normally would be because he didn't want people to recognize his voice. Well, but he had the voice disguiser, so why would it Why would it matter? Well, I imagine he's bound to have let his voice slip out at some point. And people are taping yeah. every single one of his shows. And they're and selling the tapes like drugs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just back alley tape, tape selling. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, that's kind of the, the funny thing about this movie is you see all these different social cliques in the school. Like you've got your your jocks and uh, your nerds and you've got the emo kids yeah. or whatever you called them back then. But they all everyone's so cool to each other. Everyone gets along. Yeah. And I guess it's because Hard Harry unified them all with his witty demeanor on his radio show. It, it reminded me a little bit of Dazed and Confused, uh, just kind of based on the way that they all acted with each other. Right. Just the camaraderie that yeah. they that they all had. They show the reporter guy. Shep Shepard. Shep Shepard, yeah. <laughs> interviewing some kids with Letterman jackets on about, do you listen to Hard Harry? And they're like, oh, no, we'd never do that. And they show these same two jock kids rapping to Ice-T and the Beastie Boys. Oh, and yeah. Every time those two are on screen, they're just doing the most awkward, nerdy shit you know <laughs> they're great so it kind of starts out very lighthearted. we see that mark is really not happy in this town and he doesn't really get along with his parents he's basically like look i if i make good grades you leave me alone that's the deal you know his dad is a commissioner for the school and and they're very worried about his his well-being because he's not going out or not making friends or anything like that. So it's just the kind of the typical teenage angst that's going to come with this yeah but then it takes a super dark turn like it gets very dark very quick on itunes stitcher and google play that's true (laughs) 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 referring of course to our other podcast very dark very quick go listen to it yes of course um so one night he gets a letter from a kid who is going to shoot himself and so happy harry hard on calls this kid and he's like well you know do you have at least have the gun He's he's kind of taunting him a little bit. Yeah, but in a way where I think he really wants to make... He's hoping that it makes the guy change his mind about the decision. Harry's very 
crass and nonchalant about it and just like, well, you know, if you're going to kill yourself, you might as well just do it. You know, like, don't don't hold back type of thing. And then the kid actually does it. Yeah. We don't see it, but we all. We we see everything but the shot get fired. Right, right. You know, he's loading up the gun and he's crying and it goes back and forth between him and Harry or him and Mark. Yeah. You know, and Mark's like, yeah, that's I guess that's how it goes. And they don't he doesn't think a thing anything of it until the next day when they announce that he's killed himself. Yeah. And this is like 30 minutes into the movie. Yeah. And it's already gotten really dark and you know it's taken the sour turn yeah it's in the first act which is kind of weird you know usually in a movie like this you wouldn't have the tragedy happen until the third act yeah and where it gets quickly resolved this movie took a totally different approach to this well this starts the whole controversy that harry is actually a a bad influence on the kids right the teachers through this whole thing are like confiscating the tapes and they're listening and they're going we can't believe that this this horrible person is is what our children are listening to and but all the while they're they're just worried that he's going to expose them because he's devoting this half hour of radio every night to disparaging their school yeah yeah because i mean in the very first scene where you see him talk you know on on his radio show he calls the guidance counselor and he basically is like you know how can you explain suspending a student just because she had a bad attitude is that true and the and the guidance counselor's like who is this and and it just kind of you know he basically is is trying to get exposing this guy for the kind of horrible shit that he is right um, and of course, the administration is doing all these awful things, so they want their names out of his mouth. Yeah, <laughs> get your name out my mouth. <laughs> so, and and one of the things that I wanted to point out was that the the monologues, like the writing for this movie, is really great. Like his little his little tirades Diatribes. that he goes on are really good. You know, when I first saw this movie when I was a kid, I was thirteen. I thought that that was just the coolest shit. I was like, oh, yeah, rah, rah. Fuck, yeah, this guy is awesome. But, man, last time I watched it, it all seemed a little bit overdone. And Well, you know, but he's I'm a teenager. An, I'm an old man now, and I, these stupid kids need to get off my lawn. And <laughs> I, I just kind of, I was like rolling my eyes so hard they fell out of my head. But it is still cool, and he does a great job with it. Yeah, I mean, he The basi- writing is very good. He basically carries this movie, yeah. and I think that that just kind of goes to show how, how really incredibly talented Christian Slater is. Christian Slater is amazing. He is, and like there, he's gone through a lot of years where people have just really shit on him. Yeah. And it makes me sad, because when I go back and watch his older movies, I'm like, God damn, you are just amazing. You just really are impressing me right now. There, there are a couple things that are kind of happening now. So we have one of his admirers, Nora, played by Samantha Mathis. She has made it her life's duty to track this guy down, to find out who he is, because she has, you know... She's interested. She's interested. And she also writes him letters, these very, like, you know, red paper and black ink and very sultry and seductive. And, and he's very interested, Talk too. Talk hard. Yeah, talk hard. Yeah, so she she's kind of dedicated her nights while she's listening to Happy Harry Hard on and tried like on a on a whiteboard. She is going to find him. Yeah, she's got the pins on the wall with the string and all the photos. She's trying yeah. to put it together. <laughs> it's very impressive. Yeah, yeah. 
I she mean, does a great job, and she does eventually figure him out. She does, yeah, because he lets it slip that he eats lunch in the stairwell every day, and she's That's like, right. "Oh, okay, yeah. okay." So then she starts basically following him around every time that they're at school. She's she's trying to get him to talk more, and he's like, "I can't talk to you, like, I ha- I can't talk to pretty girls. It doesn't." It, well, and also the day that she discovers that. Mark is hard. Harry is the day that uh, the boy kills himself. Yes. And so he's feeling really fucking shitty about it because Mm -hmm. he knows that this was the kid that he talked to the night before. He said, I wish I would have just told him to not to do it because he never did. So he feels really bad about it. Hard. Harry feels directly responsible for this kid's death. The adults in the town are blaming him for it. Yeah. Like they're basically saying that he should have been able to stop him or, you know, the the boy was an avid listener, so he should have influenced him in a better way. So that's kind of a source of contention for the parents as well. And there's certainly some validity to it. I always think about this, like how much does media actually affect people? Like, you know, we're kind of in the midst of this like really shitty time where we're having school shootings like every couple of months and it just like drives me bonkers. And it just kind of takes me back to like, how they blamed Marilyn Manson for the Columbine shootings. And he was basically like, look, I had nothing to do with that. I just sang my songs and played my music. And it's really up to the people that are listening to this stuff to make a determination of how it affects them. Because you could blame school shootings on violent video games all day long, but it's really the kids that are making that decision. And so I was thinking about that while I was watching the movie. I'm like, you can't like blame... I mean, you can, but it's dumb to blame Harry for this kid killing himself. I mean, how did Harry know that he was going to be serious about it? Well, yeah, that's true. As far as Harry knew, he was just getting trolled. But I do think that there is some responsibility there. I'm not going to I'm not trying to get too heavy. Yeah. But I was I was a big fan of Nirvana when Kurt Cobain killed himself and a lot of kids killed themselves in response to it. Yeah. I mean, what do you think would happen if the insane clown posse wrote a song encouraging people to kill themselves? Kids would fucking kill themselves. Well, yeah. 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 But again, I think it's there's a responsibility to the entertainers because they know that so many people watch them. But I think it's a bigger responsibility for the entertained to decipher that this is this is fiction. Like, yes, I feel something. It makes me feel lots of emotions, but it's, it's fiction. That's absolutely true. But it doesn't change the reality of the situation. That's true. You know? That's true. Yeah. So going back to to Mark, you know, he's just really torn up about this. And he's decided, like, he's going back and forth between, I I shouldn't do my show anymore. And, like, the the fuzz is heating up on him. Yeah. They are, like, trying to track him down. And the FCC is getting called in and everybody. He goes on the radio and he's basically like, do whatever you want. You know, this is your life. Do something crazy. Eat your cereal with a fork yeah. and do your homework in the dark. So, and then we see the most popular girl of the school who I liked this character development that they had with her because she's the most popular girl in the school. Her dad has this very like creepy vibe about him. Like he's just very possessive of her. Yeah. Um, and he, he talks to her like it's like it's his wife, not his daughter. Right. Um, and he's trying to push her into college. Yeah. And to going to Yale. You got to go to Yale. Yeah, you got to wear all these nice clothes and you just have to be this popular girl. And she's listening to the radio and she's basically like, fuck this. And she takes all of her shit and puts it in the microwave. Sets her house on fire. Sets her house on fire. I have to say, I probably like 
I kind of want to do the same thing sometimes. I just want to take all of my shit and microwave it. Hell yeah. That was mo- that was Monday. I wanted to do that on Monday. <laughs> just wanted to burn all your shit? Well, yeah, but specifically in the microwave because it, it like, you know, all the sparks and it explodes and you're like, yeah, this is satisfying. You just wanted to watch the world burn. Yeah, just for a little bit. Yeah, just, just I hear you. a little bit. Also, like at the sa- like watch the world burn and punch people in the dick at the same time. Like just like drive by dick punching. Yeah. Just like boom, 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 boom. And just watch them all fall. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Drive by dick punching. I'm all for it. There's some days where I would rather see a comet hit the earth and extinguish all of humanity than get out of bed. So then this kind of incites like rioting all over town. All the kids are like getting out and they're dancing like crazy and they're going to the parks and they have a giant penis somehow. Yeah. I, like, I where wondered, did that even come from? Yeah. Like, did they just have that? It's, it was seriously like a seven foot penis. Yeah. Giant. It, it looked like it was paper mache or something. Yeah. There are penises through this whole movie. Yeah. Like at the beginning with that little hoppy one that he yep. had with the feet. And then he's got them drawn everywhere. And then they have that giant, like, I'm like, good grief. Yeah. Hard Harry is absolutely penis obsessed. Not just in his show, but in his studio. Yeah. I mean, this is a real thing for him. <laughs> I think if I ever had my own radio station, I just had, I would just have these abstract paintings of vaginas everywhere <laughs> and like flowers that looked like vaginas. And I'd just be like, welcome to my studio. I love vaginas. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't have much room to talk because there is a giant... 3d printed penis i see it right in front of me like it is eye level to me right now and i am every time that i like look at you it's like in my peripheral i'm like there's a penis in my peripheral (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, Uh, it's it's the studio cock i have it here as kind of uh you know you don't want people to get too relaxed you know you want everyone to keep their head in the game so having a big intimidating dick laying around i think kind of helps us all Well, not only focus. that but it's got like these massive balls on it yeah like, and they're it's... perfectly spherical <laughs> they are it's it's actually it's a it's a robot cock that when i downloaded it from thingiverse it was uh robot cock dot stl yeah oh well yeah. good to good to know yeah. good to know it's ribbed it's 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 got it, it's ribbed it's got ribbing built into it should we like take a picture of the dick and put it on Twitter? We should. We should. But let me like, I want you to hold it because that's just, you know, I want you to. Okay. Hold on. Let me. There we go. <laughs> let me see. Perfect. 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 Let me see. Fantastic. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we'll post that on Twitter um, and you can see you can see the studio cock for yep. in all its glory. Um, so. Like I said, they're they're rioting. There's a giant penis. He's humping his mother's wedding dress. Yeah, for he some pulls reason. his mother's wedding dress out of the closet in his studio because yeah. that's where he keeps it. And I mean, he he humps it. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's got like pants on and everything, but it's it's still very like. It took us a second. We were like, is he humping his mother's wedding dress? Yeah. I don't know if that speaks volumes about him or the writer. I just don't really quite understand that. Well, I mean, when at the time he did this. He was playing music. He yeah. wasn't even talking. No. And there was nobody there. So he was just recreationally humping his mother's wedding dress. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is kind of weird. Just well, gonna, I don't want to I don't want to like shame anybody. No. But I think that's a little strange. There's kind of an Oedipal complex happening there. Yeah. So yeah. we'll just we'll we'll let we'll let Mark have that that time. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not judging. But yeah, so they 
everybody's writing and kind of going crazy. But then this is what I love about about this is that as soon as he starts talking, everybody shuts up. Like no more, no more screaming, no more rioting. When he's got something to say, everybody listens because he actually cares. He cares about these kids and he cares about what's going on at the school. Even if he hates the town and he hates the people, they're growing on him. I feel like he's starting to kind of really see more behind the curtain of how shitty this school actually is. Well, I mean, if I'm being honest with you, this is like the best school ever. I love all the people in this school. Yeah. It's great. You got you got Seth Green running around with the little fat kid and they're and they're pulling pranks on the admin and you got uh, the jocks wrapping fucking iced tea and shit. Like everybody in this school is fucking awesome. Well, and they Seth Green and his little uh, his little com- compadre um they they basically hard hardwire is that the right word that I want to use there? Yeah, they wired their radio into the school's PA system. Right. And they, you know, the teachers are all like, "We can't shut it down." Oh my god. Like, <laughs> what do we do? And I just love there was a there was a moment where the principal was like, "We're going to have to shut down the whole school." Dun dun dun. And you're like, "Jeez." Like, yeah. of course you are. <laughs> I mean, what other option do you have, Gladys? You got to do it. I don't yeah. think that was her name, but I'm going to call her Gladys. Um, I she just reminds me of Dolores Umbridge. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, because she's terrible. She is she's really just terrible. A wicked, wicked bitch. Yeah, she's the person that's actually ordering these kids to be expelled. Well, yeah. Well, I went to a school like that. I went to a a really small podunk school. You know, my graduating class had sixty kids, and they got their money based on test scores, and. Most of that money went to our sports teams, which were terrible, instead right. of going to things that we actually needed, like school supplies and a better school that didn't have asbestos in it yeah. and all sorts of things. But I had a I had a moment of uh, rebellion. I had several moments of rebellion in high school because yeah. that's who I was. Um, I actually made these these signs because we were required to take these tests and I, it was pointless and dumb. And I just basically put up these signs around school talking about how our principal was the devil and this, the administration was the worst and that we were all treated like prisoners and slaves and all they cared about was getting money. I got in so much trouble. That's wild. I put them all over my school. <laughs> I, had, I had to pay the money that I used for the printer, oh, no. which I had no job and no money. So they were like, yeah, you're going to have to pay for each copy that you made. I had a serious talking to by my principal. And uh, it, it was just, it was amazing. I like for like half a second, I was like, I am a badass. I didn't really have a following and nobody gave a shit, but you know, it felt that's, important to me. That's awesome. I'm impressed. Yeah. I was actually one of the rare kids that enjoyed being a kid in high school and uh, <laughs> I didn't rebel at all. I definitely wasn't getting good grades or even going a lot of the time, but I, I really did enjoy it. Yeah. I, I did not. I hated every second of it. And I mean, I was the emoist kid to ever emo. All my good friends had graduated and I was kind of by myself the majority of the time. And so I hated every second of it. And uh, it was it was an adventure. Yeah. <laughs> not a good one. Not Not something that I would ever do again if you paid me all the money in the world. But. Well, I think for me, part of the enjoyment came with the fact that I did not care. I really only went to school to hang out with my friends. 
one thing that I learned and it helped me out is that if you sleep in class enough, they'll just quit waking you up. <laughs> See, I just cared too much. I was always worried about my grades and I was always worried about people liking me and boys liking me. I was just so concerned about all of that. And I think maybe if I could, if I had the opportunity to go talk to my, to my freshman year old self, I would probably be like, look, dude, it's going to be over in four years don't care about any of these people like make good grades be nice to your parents and just like fuck all these people like they're just gonna upset you anyway yep so i feel like i would have been much happier now if i wouldn't have fucked off so much then yeah but eh, no regrets i'm good no regrets right right so um so yeah now as he says the fits is hitting the shan yep um, the FCC has started to come in. Um, they are investigating and they're trying to pin, trying they're to setting a trap. pinpoint his location. Yeah. Um, the town has had a big town meeting concerning this guy, this devil worshiping, awful, degenerate DJ that their kids are listening to. And we see something very interesting. Um, the girl, the popular girl who put all of her stuff in the microwave she actually comes up to the meeting she's got a black eye she's got like a big bandage over her nose and she's basically like look this guy is not to blame for how crappy everything is i mean all he's doing is trying to get us to be our true selves look at my face i mean my dad beat the shit out of me for putting my stuff my own stuff in the microwave like what does it matter it's just stuff but I was kind of, I was like really rooting for that girl. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, bitch, you tell him, you tell him, you tell him. Of course, nobody wanted to listen. That damn woman, I'm going to call her Gladys Umbridge. She just would not shut up. She was just like, no, come on. Okay, okay, it's time to quit now. And I'm just like, somebody kick her in the crotch and make her stop, please. (laughs) I mean, damn. Yeah, she was terrible. She was terrible. So... You know, and Mark is getting all worried, and he's like, oh, man, I don't know if I can do the show anymore. Angst, 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 Yeah, he he quits the show like five times over the course of this movie. Yeah, he does. Never for more than 30 seconds. No. He'll, like, quit. He'll shut everything down. He'll start throwing shit around, and then he'll turn it all back on and start talking again. He's like, what am I doing? Yeah. Um, So then his parents kind of, like, for half a second, you know, they come home from the meeting, and they are, like, suspecting that it's, that he's... He's the DJ, the horrible DJ. The girl, Nora, finds him in his house and she's she's there and she's trying to convince him to go back on air because they need him. And they're like, Mark, open the door, open the door. And she hides and he opens the door and they're like, we heard you talking to yourself. We know that you're the DJ. Oh, what are you doing in here? And then she pops up and they're suddenly like, oh, a girl is in your room? And she... You guys look like you've been doing something. Congratulations, yeah. son. You don't have to Congrats leave. Congrats on the sex. <laughs> Basically, like. Yeah. My parents, there's no fucking way in hell they would have taken that kind of attitude. No. Not a chance. And the dad was like, oh, you dirty scoundrel, that, you. That was some science fucking fiction right there. Really, it was. Because if my parents, well, really anybody as yeah. a teenager, if, if they had caught me in their room late at night and I'm all disheveled looking, I would have, first of all, gotten kicked out. I would have gotten yeah. a call. Like, they would have called my parents, and I would have been grounded forever. 
react. I think any parent that would react the way they did is, is a bad parent. Well, and even if they're excited that he finally has a girlfriend or he's finally interested in a girl, like that doesn't mean that it's okay for him to just be like, sexing it up all over the place i mean teen pregnancy is a thing hello uh, yeah and this was the decade of aids yeah so i just it was just so funny to me they're like oh she was such a nice girl and oh i'm so glad he's finally making friends like dude no and then she's like standing out in his patio and they're both like topless <laughs> like what it's what science fiction world is this it's bizarre it is bizarre so... But they had to do something to, to get her top off because this was a 90s movie and you could not put out a movie in the 90s without getting the leading ladies tits out. Well, it I mean, wasn't legal. There really? was a law against. No, not really. Oh, OK. <laughs> I was going to say what? Um, I mean, she had really nice boobs. Yeah, they were yeah. really cute. It, you know, honestly, in a movie like that, I feel like it was a bit inappropriate. I kind of do too. They had the sexual content, you know, him him fake masturbating and cussing yeah. and talking about sex and all of that stuff. Like that fits within the realm of of what we're trying to do, but then as soon as you bring boobs into it, it changes everything cuz now it's like, oh, I just saw it. like why am I seeing her tits? Like I don't understand. Like this whole thing has changed now. It just didn't feel right with this movie. Something about nudity in this movie robbed it of some of its innocence i think i think so too we're talking about a corrupt school system and suicide and we're talking about you know this kid who's trying to find himself through this radio show and then all of a sudden it becomes very adult yeah you know all that said yeah they were good tits they, they were really nice tits then we go into what i was talking about earlier about the whole they're like circling each other and not talking and they're just like breathing in each other's faces and it's a good five minutes before they kiss each other and i'm like oh my god i'm done with this already yeah. like let's just so move awkward. on let's like i'm done with this i anyway so and i don't know again if that was just a writing thing or if that was just a you know he was like yeah this this kid is really awkward and we want to make it as awkward as possible for people watching like oh god no 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 this movie was full of awkward moments mm -hmm. from hard harry slapping the back of his neck and making sex noises to <laughs> the the kids trying to rap ice tea and the beastie boys and it's just awkward yeah and then you've got the the awkward sex scene and it's There's just so much awkwardness in this movie, and it really lends a lot of the genuineness of the way these kids were. Yeah. Awkward kids. Well, yeah, because, I mean, you think about it, not not to, like, get into it too much, but, like, when you're a 16-year-old, you don't know shit about sex. Oh, God, no. The vast majority of teenagers have zero idea what they're doing, and so it's very, like breathing in your face for five minutes before you kiss each other. <laughs> right. And then the heat is is rising for Mark and his his DJing career, as you would as you would say. The kids at the school are just getting more and more rebellious. Like all of them, not just a couple, not just a like a little clique of people, but all of them are basically like, this is fucked up, and we're gonna change this. Like they're yeah. firing teachers for speaking out. They're suspending right. students for no reason. The vice principal is fighting with the the bleach blonde, spiky haired yeah. kid that got expelled, and and just goes goes to wailing on him. Just starts punching him and beats his ass. Yeah, you know that guy was a uh, was the dad on Teen Wolf. 
Was he really? Yeah. <laughs> I thought I recognized was, him. Yeah, that's where you saw him. He's so good, too. I love him. He's great. His name's Scott Paulin. Hmm. P-A-U-L-I-N. Yeah, he's really good. He's been in, he's done a lot of bit parts. Yeah. I've seen him in a lot of stuff. But yeah, so it's it's just everything is getting to critical mass at this point. Um, we see that Nora actually gets suspended because she's failing math. Yeah. Which then kind of sparks even more of a revolutionary side to Mark because now him and Nora are a thing, Yeah, I guess. Now it's personal. Now it's personal. And so it's just starting to come all like come to a head. At one point we we see that Mark almost gets caught because they think that they've tapped his phone and they found where he is when really he's they do the same old trickaroo out. yeah that they did on Silence of the Lambs. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah they they use the exact same mechanic which I always love. That's the way to do that. You know, if you're going to do a kind of a closing in on you type scene where where they're not actually. Uh, yeah. That's the way to do it. Yeah, and it's kind of cool, though, because, you know, everybody that's listening is like, no, 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 Harry, run. Like, don't let yourself get caught. No. And he's like, nah, I'm okay, kids. Yeah, Harry, he put the transmitter uh, in his neighbor's house. Or, yeah, well. So when they tracked down the signal, they just went to somebody else's house. Yeah. Could they they track phones as early as the 1990s? Yes. Oh. But they weren't tracking his phone. They were tracking the radio signal. Oh, true. So, so at this point in the movie, they've set up a truck, his mom's Jeep. They've outfitted it with a bunch of radio equipment and uh-huh. they're, they're going mobile. Yeah. Uh, but he needs her to drive because he doesn't have a driver's license, which <laughs> at the time, Christian Slater's license was suspended for DUIs and really? he was not allowed to drive. That's why they did that scene like that because huh. he couldn't, they couldn't let him drive the car. Interesting. I did not know that. I mean, I knew like... I knew that Christian Slater was kind of a party boy back in the day. And he was yeah. very, he was one of those, those kids you got to watch out for. <laughs> <laughs> this is not one you want to bring home to mom girls. He, he certainly did have a problem with alcohol and driving. This, yes. yes. He got several DUIs, <laughs> which in the grand scheme of things, you know, uh, most people that get in trouble in Hollywood, get in trouble for a lot worse shit. That's true. So, you That's know, true. Christian Slater's actually doing pretty well. As I would far say as so. the scandals go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think he's kind of grown out of that. Oh, yeah. He's definitely, like, these days, man. I mean, he's everyone's dad on shows <laughs> yeah. now. And he does, he does a great job. He's a fantastic actor. I love his voice. He I've can... always loved his voice. I've always thought of him as Baby Jack Nicholson. Uh, but... Baby Jack Nicholson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's just because of his hairline and his voice. Yeah. Uh, he's he's a damn fine actor in his own right. This is true. Yeah. This is true. He was on, um, I don't know if he still is, but he was on the show Mr. Robot. Yes. I don't think he's on Mr. Robot anymore. But, but he was. he was great on that show. I've always wanted to watch it, but I just never, it never like, there was nothing about it that just like drew me in. Yeah. And I'm not such a huge Christian Slater fan that I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to watch it now. That's definitely not a movie to watch if you're a Christian Slater fan, because he's not really in it much and yeah. he doesn't do anything real Christian Slatery in the film. Yeah. I need some, some Christian Slaterism. Yeah. Just, uh... Yeah. That's, that's exactly what it boils down to. There's no Christian Slaterism in it. <laughs> so he takes the show on the road, so to speak. And this is so they can't triangulate his signal and catch him. And all the other kids of the school have gathered in this parking lot. And they're basically just having a huge party. 
the mayor is there. Yeah, the mayor's and there. And he's like sitting in his limousine and he's like, send help. Send help. There are kids on my car. Like, it's funny because at the, when he first gets there, he's like, yeah, I'm just glad to be here and we want to catch this guy. And then all the kids are like basically scaring the shit out of him. And he's like, oh, cowering in his car. Yeah. And, and Hard Harry starts uh, shit talking him directly on yeah. the air, too. And so he starts getting nervous. Uh, and eventually he, he's just like, oh, I'm not having this. And he gets in his car. Turn that off. Yeah. Gets in his but car nobody... and drives off and they're, they're in hot pursuit. So, yeah, everybody's pretty much losing their damn minds. And he's trying to stay on the radio as long as he can. And then we find out that Mark's dad is a badass after all because their their little evil plot for the school about getting money for every good test score they have. Um, is finally revealed. It's revealed by Miss Emerson, the teacher that got fired. And his dad, Mark's dad, is basically like, um, yeah, you're you're kind of a cunt and you're fired. And she's like, you can't do that. And he's like, I just did, bitch. Yeah. Like, get out of my face. Yeah. Like type thing. Cancer. So, yeah. Um, but that doesn't stop the FCC. It does not. It does not. Because the FCC won't let him be. They won't. Why why can't they just let him be? Yeah. Yeah. So at one point he finally he finally comes to the precipice. It's literally a precipice. He's at a, on a hill overlooking everything and he basically is like, "You know, I come from a generation of why bother, but it really is cool to to give a shit and and you know, we really need to make something of our lives and and you know, steal the air, talk hard and you know, at this point, his harmonizer has broken, so everybody yeah. can hear his real voice, and everybody knows who it is. Right. And everybody's like, yeah, just rallying together, and there's just this... He's got a line of cops and FCC people chasing yeah. him around Which town. is always so ridiculous to me. It is one guy. Yeah. One guy. With a radio. Yeah. No, Why do we is... need helicopters? And yeah, that's right. They had helicopters. Why? It's silly, but, you know, they had to do it. How exciting would it have been if they like sent him a summons? To, you know, <laughs> you've you've been served. <laughs> right, right. I mean, you know, it had to be. Yeah, they had to get the helicopters and shit out. Otherwise, it would have been kind of stupid. Yeah, because we we got to be on the edge of our seat for Harry Happy Hard on to be chased by helicopters. Right. I mean, come on. So basically, this is his uh, "Damn the Man, Save the Empire" speech. Yeah. Uh, which is not the right movie, but it's the same sentiment. It's the same sentiment. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, he drives into the, the party and everyone sees who it is and they take him away. And he and Nora live happily ever after in a white collar prison system. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although, I don't know. Would you go to prison for being a, a radio pirate? No. You'd get fined. But yeah. you, but he probably got in a little bit of trouble for the whole, you know, resisting arrest thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> resisting arrest, pirate radio, hacking into the school system to get information. Yeah. Like there's all sorts of things that Yeah, this there's guy a lot did. of crimes happening here. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, but you can't help but just be like, "Oh, yes, I want to be a part of that." Like I want to be an anonymous voice on the radio that people listen to and you're just like oh. I would so love to do that. God, and, yes, me you too. You know, I I kind of get a little piece of that feeling when we do the music episodes. Yeah. I love it, it so much. It is a big middle finger to all that copyright infringement. Yeah. Yeah. We but do do you a lot of that. copyright infringement on you, those music episodes. But hey, it hasn't been taken down. We haven't gotten any emails or phone calls or helicopter visits to our house. So I think we're good. It's all about to go on Twitch. Don't worry. The oh. helicopters will be here soon. 
well, at least I'll go out in a blaze of glory. Fuck yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah, every at the beginning of every show, Hard Harry plays Everybody Knows by Leonard Cohen. Yeah. Which is, in my opinion, when Leonard Cohen started to suck, uh, when his voice got real deep and grovelly, and he was also this was also the height of Leonard Cohen's popularity. Yeah. A couple of years later, he was on the soundtrack very prominently on the soundtrack for Natural Born Killers. Uh-huh. And that's kind of when he became popular. But I really hated the way his voice sounded. In I the don't 90s. know. I like I like his voice like that. It kind of reminds me of the guy from The National. Like that's yeah. who, who his voice reminds me of. And I, I love the guy from The National. And um, do you are you really familiar with Leonard Cohen's older work? Not as really. It's so much better. That was his thing was his voice. He had this wonderful voice and it just turned to shit. I don't know what happened. Maybe he got kicked in the throat by a <laughs> mule or something. But 90s Leonard Cohen just sounded terrible to me. I'm sorry. And we're going to have we're going to get death threats because of this. If my if my wife heard me say that, she'd probably be kicking me in the taint right now. But but I just I, I got to be honest with you. And Leonard Cohen is all over the soundtrack, too. He is. He starts to play that, like, sadder song of Leonard Cohen's, and then he's like, oh, no, fuck this. I'm going to play something. I'm, I'm going to play what I always play. That'll probably be If It Be Your Will. Yeah. Yeah. But this this soundtrack also features um, songs from Concrete Blonde, The Pixies, uh, Sonic Youth, Soundgarden. The Descendants. The Descendants. I love The Descendants. Ice-T, The Beastie Boys, Cowboy Junkies. Yeah. Sonic Youth was a big fucking deal for me. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. And especially when this movie came out. Like I say, I'd, I'd never even heard of this movie before I saw it. It was yeah. a few years after it came out, and I was way into Sonic Youth. We turned on the tape, and it was at the part with the Sonic Youth song on it, and I was yeah. like, oh, fuck, I love this. This is like my favorite band. And uh, Sonic Youth was popular, but maybe not as big in Texas yeah. as it was elsewhere. But they were a really big deal for me. And so I said, hey, rewind this movie. I want to see it. So if not for Sonic Youth, I wouldn't have watched this film. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And I'm glad I did. You know, we were talking about how the Pixies were already broken up by, by then. Yeah. Which I guess in my mind, I just equate them. Every time I think of them, I just equate them to... Um, Fight Club. To Fight Club. Yeah. Um, and I just, I guess in my mind, I thought, well, they were together you know, at the time of Fight Club, but no. Where Is My Mind is an old song. Mm-hmm. It is old. And I didn't yeah. realize that until I, like, you said that. And I was like, oh, damn. The Pixies okay. weren't famous until long after they'd broken up. Aw. And it's because they went off. Right. They went off and did their solo things. You had Frank Black and the Catholics, and uh, Kim Deal was in The Breeders. Really? Yeah. Pixies kind of became retroactively popular because of the success of these guys' solo careers. Yeah. I'm going to play a Frank Black song on music episode three. Three. Yeah. Most of these songs and these bands were around long before I was born. Yeah, so fuck off. <laughs> Yo, whippa-snappa, get off my podcast. <laughs> That's how I feel sometimes whenever I tell you like how old I was when these movies came out and you like look at me with like fire in your eyes and you're I, like, God. I'm pushing 40, but I got a good attitude about it. Well, I mean. It, I'm, I'm going to kill myself. I can't, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> you got to shit your shorts. 
Oh, okay, never mind. Yeah, Yeah, we don't want that happening. If we had conversations about music in the 2000s, I could could have that conversation all day. But like stuff in the 90s, I only know from maybe 1996 up. Yeah. Maybe. But you missed some really good years in music. I got to tell you. I'll I'll hit I'll slap my mother when I go home and be like, why didn't you have me earlier? <laughs> yeah, nineties alternative was so much different than alternative is now. I don't even know that alternative even exists anymore. Everything's got that indie sound now. Yeah. Uh, but in the nineties, bands sounded they all sounded way different from each other, uh, while not necessarily fitting into any genre. Yeah. You know, we had we had songs that were popular that were dance hall hits. We had songs that were popular that were you know from like jamaica we had one hit wonders and the 80s was was pretty big about this too uh we had a lot of foreign music that was getting popular techno was becoming a a thing electronic music was getting big uh we had the grunge movement uh, with your nirvana your sonic youth uh your sound garden we had bands like white zombie which which i mean they just came out of nowhere doing some shit that nobody had seen before. We had Smashing Fucking Pumpkins, yes. the greatest band to ever grace the stage. They're um, from the 90s, man. They Fuck off. <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> Get off my kids. podcast. Get off my lawncast. <laughs> well, and I think that's what kind of is translated into this, into this movie is that the songs that he plays everybody enjoys yeah you know everybody's listening to it's the punk kids the popular kids the emo kids or well i guess it's not really emo i think they'd be more like grunge back in that time period probably goth yeah so but everybody loved the music that he played and i don't know if it was because he was playing it or because that's just the music everybody listened to kids did not listen to leonard cohen in the 90s (laughs) no not at all. Not even a little bit. What kind of people were listening to Leonard Cohen in the nineties? It was adult contemporary. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. it was right there with your with your Amy Grant. They were being played on the same radio station. So what what were they listening to? Well, really, Leonard Cohen wasn't being played on any radio station. Leonard Cohen was still more of a musician's musician. He was on movie soundtracks, but not really all that popular. I don't know that Leonard Cohen really ever has been all that popular. Well, I have to say, though, and and I don't know why, but the fact that Hallelujah has been so popular in the last couple of years, I don't know if that would make him roll over in his grave or if he'd be happy about that because it's not a happy song. It's really not. And when Jeff Buckley did his, his rendition of Hallelujah, it became like this sensation. Like everybody loved it and everybody's doing their own version. I, it, the store that I work at, they play this version that I hate because they've made it very poppy and they changed the lyrics. And I'm like, God damn it. I just hate that. And they yeah. play it on every movie and every television show. And you're just like, fuck you. Like listen to the damn lyrics, like listen to the original song because it is not something that you just like throw around. Like, now they, they play it on, like, talent shows. No, 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 no. It's insane to me how popular it's become and how many covers there are. Like, and maybe that just makes me, like, a weird elitist about it. But I just, no, I hate I, it. I imagine that Leonard Cohen would be rolling in his grave to see his work being performed by pop stars on American Idol. Jesus. I, I really don't think that would be his bag at all. I think he would have been fine with Jeff Buckley. 
Well, because Jeff Bugley did it the way that yeah. it was supposed to be right. done. Natural Born Killers was a huge, huge fucking movie. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was an absolute smash hit. And so was the soundtrack. And Leonard Cohen was on it. So, you know, he, he had a little bit of a resurgence, but it wasn't as good, period. Yeah. Think. But we also had, hello, dad, I'm in jail, <laughs> which is just so stupid. And I remember when I was a kid, MTV had this thing that they would do on Friday nights or so where they played just weird videos. You would see the detachable penis video. You would see the, hello, dad, I'm in jail. And also there was the Dr. Demento show and they would play that oh, as okay. well. So that, that song really takes me back. <laughs> it really does. It's a fucking horrible song. Well, it sounded like it. He was like, the whole song was him saying, I'm in jail and I kind of like it. I'm in jail. Happy birthday, dad. (laughs) I'm in jail. It was so dumb, but I I swear to God, that song was on. I heard it every day Wow. for for like a good couple of months when I was maybe in the summer of 93. Uh, Summer of 93. (laughs) Back in my day in the summer of 93. Fuck off. It's like my favorite time ever. Loved it. I had so much fun. I did too. I don't remember it, but it was a good time for me too. I love the 90s so much. Yeah. Well, it's coming back. Well, but it ain't the same. I'm old now. Duh. Of course it's not (laughs) going to be the same. I'm too old to enjoy it now. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. So anyway, that was uh, that was pump up the volume. Yes. And it was really great. And I'm really glad that I watched it. It just I mean. Yeah. You'd never seen this film before I no, showed it to you. No. No. And, and we had a good time with it. We were laughing and, and just yeah. again, just reveling in just how different even filmmaking, even filmmaking was and, and just the, the barriers that they're pushing. And yeah. they even still talk about issues that are relevant today, you know, with the school system and suicide yep. and, 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 you know, no, this movie aged very well. It did. You watch it now and it doesn't feel like you're watching an old movie, yeah. uh, especially since this has been remastered in HD mm-hmm. and it was very well done. They apparently had some really good master files to work with. It oh, looks good perfect yeah on blu-ray it looks like it was shot in digital uh that's how good the transfer is yeah that's cool yeah i love that they're doing that with movies now i love that they're not just all, be- not all movies can be no. transferred to where they look good matter of fact we've seen we've seen some movies that are basically trash now yeah because the masters were handled so poorly that the only way to get a good rip off of them is to like go to the, like the laser disc version do you it, feel like this is the equivalent of when they were trying to trying to convert things into Technicolor? That's kind of how what it feels like now. And they're like taking old movies and, and converting them into like HD and, and to make them like prettier for Blu-ray. I feel like it's the equivalent of taking black and white and, and converting or, or trying to do things in Technicolor. Like, I, I don't know why. Yeah, no, definitely digital film formats are a revolution. Yeah absolutely it's very interesting they make the distribution of these things so much broader if we didn't have a way to convert these old analog movies to digital then we wouldn't be able to to stream them we wouldn't be able to sell them online uh, we'd have to pass media back and forth to each other oh what a like time the old to days. be alive thank you so so much for listening thank you so so much for being patient we are really 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 going to try and be better with our with our scheduling the last i feel like the last month has just been crazy that's just because uh we didn't record but we we still put stuff out yeah we still got shit out on time it's fine yeah we're good yeah 
but we, it ain't got, we ain't got to apologize to these people. Well, no, we don't. They didn't give us any fucking money for our music episode. We just God. It, we ended up giving it to them for free. Yeah. So, you know, it was basically like giving you a hand job in the back of your car for nothing, for nothing, for nothing. So suck a bag of dicks. <laughs> Big, ugly dicks. That's right. Big, ugly dicks. Big, ugly dick. Anyway, so uh, social media, social media. So you can find us all over the place. You can find us on Twitter at DF Cinema. Uh, you can find us on Facebook as Dumpster Fire Cinema. You can find us. Uh, oh my gosh, you can find us at Gmail if you want to send us an email. Um, yeah. dumpsterfirecinema at gmail.com. Um, we you are can also... find us on AOL at no, we're not on AOL. I was about to say, that's a you're about to say something very old. We're on uh, CompuServe and Prodigy. <laughs> um, we have a website, but it only works with Netscape Navigator. Yes, yeah, yeah. So Good luck with that. Yeah, good luck with that. Um, you can also find our lovely, lovely voices on other podcasts. Yes. Uh, I contribute, and he is co-host to a podcast called Very Dark, Very Quick. Yep. Um, we talk about nonsense. It's a bit of a variety show. We pick a topic every week, and we beat it to death. Uh, this week's episode actually is about cults, but uh, we we did it while we were on the road. Uh, we had our first VDVQ live show it was in Anchorage, Alaska, and so we have an old Oscar Mayer Wiener mobile that we had retrofitted so that we could use it for our purposes. We actually have a studio in the Wiener part, and so we packed that thing up and we drove to Alaska and we recorded this week's episode of VDVQ on that drive, and uh, we were very drunk for some of it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's coming out in a couple of days. Perfect. I love it. And uh, we've also got the Queens of the Millennial Age, which features Jordan yeah. and the lovely Linda. They're living in a millennial world, and they are some millennial girls. Yes. And they are going to talk to you about all of the stuff that matters in your millennial girl life. Yes, yes. Lots of lots of millennial problems. Yep, yep. <laughs> Um, so yeah, and, and, you know, we actually just started something new, um, within the last couple of weeks. Um, we are actually on Twitch now. Yes. Um, Onichan Productions is on Twitch. Um, we basically are just putting everything that we've ever done on that thing. Yeah. We're just dumping it in there. Like it's our toilet. Yeah. Pretty and much. we're flushing it straight to you. Yep. Yep. Definitely look us up and give us hits and follow us and friend us. And, um, you know, cause really what we're trying to do is just, is just take over your lives yep. with all of our nonsense. And hopefully, you know, we can maybe get some money, uh, involved with it as well. Or not. We or don't not. Care. We don't care. We, we do it for you really. Yeah. We, we, cause we love you. But, uh, listen, um, the main thing that you need to remember, if you forget about all these Twitter handles and our prodigy email address is uh, remember to go to onichanproductions.com. Yep. That's the central hub. You can get to any of our other stuff there. Yes. Yeah. And we're all over we're all over YouTube. We're all over Facebook. I know, you know, Onichan Productions is on Facebook and Twitter. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I mean, anywhere that you could just type into your computer with your, you know, typewriter. Well, I guess that's not <laughs> with your electronic typewriter. <laughs> with your electronic typewriter. They have those now, which is so hipster it hurts. Take out your Palm Pilot. Yeah. Open up Opera and go to www.onichanproductions.com. So, thanks again for listening. You guys have a have a sweet night. Talk hard. Talk hard. Steal the air.
eat your cereal with a fork and do your homework in the dark. Hell yeah. We love you guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Dumpster Fire Cinema. Be sure to tell your friends. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. This has been Rogue Media Network Podcast.